Welcome back to Isirka, a digital journey of self-discovery. My name is Amina Isir, and thank you so much for joining me on my journey. So if you know me, then you know my name is Amina Abdigod. And on this episode, it'll feature my father. Um, and he'll tell us a little bit about his background and his story. And as I mentioned in earlier episodes, my dad's a great storyteller. And he doesn't forget anything. So he takes us way back to his childhood and kind of takes us all across Somalia and the world to end up where we are now, living in the States. So enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more. 40th anniversary in America this year. Oh, uh, yes. How did you, ce- did you celebrate it? Uh, I didn't celebrate. I actually didn't. I celebrated every day, to be frank. There was this Russian comedian, Michael Smirnov, and he had a stand-up show. He came here as a refugee. When he first came, he didn't speak English. But later... He became very successful. And mm-hmm. every time he makes it, he tells people when he first came here, he was working as a dishwasher. Now he's a comedian. He's a millionaire. And always he says, I love America. What I can tell you. What I can tell you. <laughs> and I do the same. <laughs> I love America. What I can tell you. What I can tell what so, do you love about it that was so different than Somalia? Uh, what I love more in America, well, number one, the first reason we came here, me and most of our, my friends came here to get higher education. And uh, the, the, the reason we came here to get higher education, uh, as I told you many times, when we after high school, we came to the Middle East. So when we came to the Middle East, we didn't have no any skill. Uh, all we have high is high school diploma. So those what they call expatriates, yep. uh, people with a skill, especially foreigners, that they were uh, you know leaving making a lot of money. They were uh, living the best places. They were respected. So our plan, most of us, was to go come to America, get the education, and uh, when you get the education, you go back to the Middle East. Mm-hmm. So the reason we want to go back to the Middle East because at that time the Middle East was booming and and we thought if we come here and get our education and we go back we'll be make making a lot of money and our life will change for the better. We're gonna live a higher standard like these people who come from all over the world, especially from the Western world. So uh, I like my, you know, my friend. That that's the life he lives now. That's uh, our plan, many of us. So the the first reason we came here was to get the education to go back. But uh, for many of us, it didn't work out. Especially in my case, many of us we found jobs here. You know, we found professional jobs in uh, America. Mm-hmm. So when I came here in 1988, uh, 31 years ago, 32 years ago, I, you know, I, I, I was here less than, I came March and I got the state job July. Yeah. So since July 29, 1988, I was working here. Mm-hmm. And I really, really like it, to be frank with you, 
when I got the state, state job, uh, I didn't want to go back to the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Especially that time, since you girls came, and I have, uh, my, you know, my mom and three daughters, I, I didn't want to go put you in the situation where that, you know, you cannot drive in Saudi Arabia. Listen, we, we would have not had so many rights that would have been, oh, yeah, yeah, been yeah. like unfathomable to the type of lives that we live now. Like, yeah. So. Well, before I married your mom, I went to uh, 1984 back to Saudi Arabia and I saw my cousin, you know, and they harass you, the, the Saudis, you know. Every time you, they see a man and woman in a car, they stop you, mm-hmm. they harass you. So I don't want to put you in that. I don't want to, even to now, even today, there's no way I'm going to put you, <laughs> you and your sisters and mom in that situation. Because here you have what they call the sky's the limit. You have all the freedom. Uh, nobody harasses you. Nobody bugs you. So I'm really, really happy that turned it out fine for me and for you. Yeah, I'm really glad. Um, so you were definitely like a girl dad before Kobe Bryant made that term like socially acceptable. So what do you have to say about that? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really glad. To begin with, my father always was different than his peers. Even when he was young, he told me when he was a, a kid, he always, always, always uh, stayed with his mom. And not here with this, his older brother was different, the other young, young brothers were different. So the, always he was very, very, very close to his mom. Are you saying Awoba was a mama's boy? Yes, that's, uh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, he, yeah was, he was so emotional. Oh, yes, that's why he was always, he said, I remember all the time. You know, in, in, when, in, uh, when they work in the country, you know, in Miga. Yeah. He said uh, every time all the women's chores he, he would do. He used to have his mom. Oh yeah, oh. Well, even in his last years, I remember he used to prepare his own food. He yeah, used to yeah. still cook his own food. Like, oh yeah, he was yeah. still so self-sufficient. In yeah, his oh, oh yeah, yeah. Even in his own, you know, no, not even that. Uh, later he became, you know, what they call butler yeah. or cook for uh, white people. Is it because he was light-skinned? He was a house Negro. Yeah, uh, literally, he, he turned out that way. <laughs> That's what I learned. And also he was always, 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 though he divorced three times, he was always helpful uh, with the house chores. Mm. You know, he always... So Awoa was actually a feminist? Yes, uh, yeah, literally he was. Even my older brother, Mahmoud, turned out that way. He always cooked for his kiddies, uh, clean, wash, did everything. Being a girl dad, essentially, you're saying these feminist ideals are ingrained in your DNA. Other than that, in my case, I grew up with my grandma and my aunt uh, from my mother's side. Mm-hmm. And uh, from the father's side, my grandma and aunties too. Yeah. So I rarely grew up with other boys. Yeah. Except when I started school. And I started going to boarding schools. What happened is, unfortunately, my, my mom died when I was two years of age. So I was, uh, my father took me to his mom in the uh, in the country. Yeah. Then uh, a few years later, 
uh, he, they, they had a kind of famine, yeah. uh, a drought. Yeah. So he sent me a guy and I came to Hargeza where he was living with uh, uh, his wife. Then uh, when he fell out of divorce and his last wife, uh, he shipped me to my mother's mom. So I was living in uh, all my kindergarten years yeah. with my grandma. You remember Alan Kimmerke had like a tagging? Oh yes, I remember. That was uh, 1960, yeah, because in 1959-58, that's when we were kindergarten. Mm. So I remember Karnasar Kandasip. Mm. Yeah, I remember that. 1962, uh, you started where? Started in Hargeza. I was in the orphanage, you know, the safety children of home camp. Uh, then, uh, you know, then uh, when we finished the primary school, mm-hmm. uh, we were shivered to Ergabo, the Yaha, in 1966, mm-hmm. uh, four years later. Yeah. So, uh, luckily, my dad had connection with the people from his uh, co-op, yeah. uh, Hertisa. So I told him, I don't want to go to the Yaha again. So I want to transfer. They have no, how did they? It was too far. Oh, okay. Ergabo. Yeah. And I, I didn't have no any, no, any relatives there. Yeah. And it was very, very hard and far. And, you know. Anyway, the, the funniest story is when uh, I, I told my dad to give me transfer from the Yaha. Mm-hmm. He told me he wanted to take me to Gavili. Yeah. Yeah, because Gavile is close to his hair, yeah. Albert Ali. Yeah. Also, Sheikh is a son, Mahmoud Sheikh, yeah. who was my age and in the same grade, yeah. was going there. Yeah. It's stupid me, it was good for me in, uh, to go to Gavile. Yeah. Because when they bring in the Sheikh, his son, yeah. they will bring me. And when they take him back, they would have <laughs> taken him back. <laughs> but the, the crazy thing is, when I was in the orphanage in Hargeza, yeah. uh, we had electricity. Yeah. We have running water. Yeah. Uh, we had, uh, when we were done, we went to, uh, when I went to the Yaha, yeah. the Yaha have the same thing. Yeah. It has uh, running water. Yeah. It has electricity. Yeah. Then I, I heard Gavile. Uh, the, one of these guys, you know, the, one of the guys who went to the orphanage with us, mm. uh, went to Amud. Yeah. So he told me Amud has electricity. Yeah. So I told my father, I, I, I don't want to read anything with the lamp. <laughs> I want to go to Amud. <laughs> That's how I ended up in Amud. Yeah. So we graduated from Amud in Trimir in 1969. When Siyad came, the, that year I was put in day school in Farah Omar. Okay, in Hargeza. Uh, Hargeza, mm-hmm. when I came back, uh, my father, my uncle, all fa- uh, my father was in Hargeza when I was growing up. Uh, my uncle Ahmed Musa was in Hargeza. My father Musa was in Hargeza. That time when uh, I was started uh, from one in high school, yeah. uh, I don't have no family. Mm. Uh, no, Where uh, were they? From the fathers. Huh? Where were they? No, the daddy is in Albert Ali. <laughs> uh, yeah, there Farah is in uh, Las Khorai. Yeah. Uh, in uh, Ahmed Musa is in the jungle. Yeah. Uh, me, you know. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I, that year I struggled in Hergeza. When I was in Amud, uh, grade six, yeah. I visited Mogadishu. Literally, one of the main reasons I went to Mogadishu mm. is to see my aunt. Mm. Not only to see my aunt, she I needed her help. 
And uh, she's the one of the first people in my life I remember uh, that she took me to the tailor yeah. and told me to uh, bought me three bands and shirts and new that was the first time I was well close. Yeah. Uh, not only that, uh, you know, the, the a month uh, it was summer vacation. Yeah. She fed me. She used to give me pocket money. In in Mogadishu, they have a babai, yeah. a banana, and what they do, they put in a bowl. They would add up sugar and lemon. Yeah, yeah. They Javier still it. used to do that, even with, in Italy. Like she used to. Oh, when you put a little, add a little sugar and lemon. Yeah. Wow. As a matter of fact, I used to be skinny like this yeah you know since in 1968 when i went to visit Mogadishu yeah uh, <laughs> that's like anyway that uh, then uh, what one of the things i want to share with you as far as i remember being the right place at the right time because you know all these things i'm the first one who, who went to school out of your whole entire extended family yeah, share Sherlock. I ended up going to school and going to Aragaba, going to Boroma, going to Argeza. So, uh, but what did that do for you though? The going to schools in all these different cities and towns and meeting different people of different backgrounds. How did that like help you move through life after, like you know, at that point in the future? Well, that's one of the best, best, best things ever happened to me. You know why? Because in early age, in early age, I have exposure mm -hmm. to the Somali tribal spectrum. Mm -hmm. So all these tribal wars, enmities, and these, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't have any shred of it. Yeah. Not only that, I am not uh, being exposed to it, but also I befriended. Yeah. Everywhere I go, when I went to Argentina in an orphanage, I, I made friends from multi-tribes. Uh, then when I went to Odayaha, I made good friends. When I went to Amud, uh, like Adam Muhammad yeah. Ali, we still together. Uh, when I went to Benadir, Ahmed Hussein Gray, and Alifa, George, and others, yeah. Abdul Nature, and uh, you know. So all these friends uh, from childhood. The other thing I want to share with you, uh, since I'm uh, my mom died and my, my father was not in the picture. Yeah. My friend's fathers yeah. were really, really indirect parents for me. Mm -hmm. Role models. For example, Murkia and Kujure, when I was in Amud, I had two friends. One, uh, Hassan Dere, he's the change in Hargeza. Yeah. The other guy, he was teaching at uh, Hargeza University. Those two fathers, were exceptionally, exceptionally good parents. Especially Mahmoud, uh, his father used to work in uh, Sela. So when uh, he was a uh, policeman, so whenever he, he got to uh, Sela, so when he's going to Sela, he have to stop Amud in Borome. Amud is close to Borome, you know that? Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So he have to stop. And uh, also when he comes from Sela, he have to stop yeah. to see his son. Yeah. So every time he does that, he was so kind and generous. He used to give his son money. Yeah. 
he told this for you. Yeah. And I, they give you another uh, bundle of money. So this for your friends. Mm. And uh, the kid was, Mahmoud was so kind and nice and you know, honest. So he came to us, five, six of us. Yeah. He said, my father gave me this uh, amount yeah. and it's for you. So we have to split, you know. Mm. So that guy is still uh, indirectly also the church. His father uh, was, uh, he was not a high government official. But one time I remember more than anything, he was working in Bosaso and he got a one week or two weeks vacation. So he came all the way from Bosaso mm-hmm. uh, to Amut. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you know, in Africa, is uh, you know. Takes it, a long time to travel. Take a long so the, my father, if he walked from El Bredale to Amut, yeah, it would have been closer. It wouldn't take that long. Yeah. So I really admired him for that. Mm-hmm. Also, what I admired him for, his son, Hassan, was from another woman. He knew how, you know, his mothers abused their children. Mm-hmm. So he told him, you know, he took him to a restaurant mm-hmm. and he told him, anytime you need food, you eat here. Yeah. So the guy, when he goes home, he eats with other kids. Yeah. And whenever he goes, you know, he was young that time. You know, he didn't know his father can afford that, but he didn't care. Yeah. So he became very fat. <laughs> so the word fuckish. Yeah. Fuckish, you know, I That's what the literal meaning of the word fuckish was. The golf ball. Was fat guy. So there are. Those two. Then when I went to Benadir, uh, Ahmed Hussein Gray's father is, was really, really also another good role model. And also his wife now, mm-hmm. Nassim's father. So what I learned from my friends, mm-hmm. we were, I didn't only gain uh, friends for life. Literally, my parents, mm-hmm. indirectly, Mm. were my friend's parents. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so the, the, to answer your question, whether I, I gained from this uh, uh, boarding school is alive, I, uh, and nobody can say this, it was easy. Yeah. But at the same time, it was it, what they call uh, survival of the fetus. Yeah. It, it prepared for me to just deal with whatever life life throws at me yeah so that's up to now up to now nothing bothers me nothing bothers you at all <laughs> at all uh, up to now not only having good friends but also what helped me from uh, when i was uh, from a primary mm. well from primary uh, all my life, I used to read a lot. So, for example, when I was in uh, a primary, I used to go uh, a library because that time the media of instruction was Arabic. Mm-hmm. So I used to go to Egyptian library in Hargeza mm-hmm. and borrow books. Mm-hmm. Then when I then I moved to intermediate, the medium of instruction became English. Mm-hmm. So then I started reading. Mm-hmm. See, and I read a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of good stuff. Uh, for example, uh, you know, Dale Carnegie. Yeah. Uh, his books. Yeah. Four of them I read when I was grade five and six in mm-hmm. Amud. Mm-hmm. Amud Intermediate. Did that teach you how to finesse people? Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, that, uh, how to win friends, how to win friends and influence people. 
how to step away and start living. <laughs> you know, not I feel like, like you took that one really to heart. The how to stop worrying and start living. Yeah. That's something you certainly had to have adopted as a young person because you really just don't care. Uh, not only that, not only that. Uh, what also he taught me, when I read his uh, bio, when he was my age, he was just like me. He didn't know, he, he was not good in anything. Mm. He didn't play any, any ball game. Yeah. He didn't have no any money. He didn't uh, come from poor family. The only thing he was good at was uh, debating society. Yeah. And that's what I excelled too. <laughs> in Abu mm. uh, And up to now, up to now, that's why uh, uh, everywhere I go, ask critical questions. Mm. For example, when I met Dr. Hussain uh, first time, I said, them these guys are talking about this, this, this. And, uh, so I say, you know, uh, well, I'm, I'm listening to you. How this, what you're really writing about and talking about, how can that, uh, you know, have uh, maybe make a difference where we come from mm. back home. Yeah. I had Dr. Hussein politely said it is this elite consumption. This elite consumption. We don't know, maybe indirectly it will reach there. Yeah. Uh, you know? Yeah. So that what uh, helped me is uh, the, the two things that helped me is uh, in, in, in having a lot of friends, also getting along with people, mm. and uh, also reading. So now, going forward, we finished high school, 1974. We went to uh, Halane. Then we have to do one year national service. Mm -hmm. And that national year service also was, uh, I was, uh, Assigned to teach. Marky or hello, which is Mons Filipino. Marky, then by our hello, he's a Sagawidin. And then you taught all the people. One year. So these people, the cream of the crop of the south. Then what subject did you teach them though? I taught them math and and science. Oh, okay. I taught them math and science. So the kids I was teaching, they were two of them. Each of them, Muhammad Siad, Yohad and Muhammad Siad. Oh, okay. How were they? Were they Kalahoyal? May I? They just happen to be. I don't know any Kalhoya, any Kalhoya, like they happen to be the same grade. Oh, okay. I don't know how did that happen. If they were the same, mom, I didn't ask that time. You know, the Abdurrashid Umar Sharmaka, yeah. uh, he was also grade seven. He ended up, uh, his father was ex president. And how could you die in the middle of your year? What happens? All over the world, there's some crazy politics going on. So the, this guy who was the prince. Principal, uh, the guy Minister of Education didn't like him, mm -hmm. so he replaced it to him one of his good uh, what they call uh, patriots, you know, uh, you know, for the regime. Good was all the people that were supporting the regime. Yeah, okay, okay, especially the uh, you know, political party at that time, which was only one party. So that then he we argue with him and then he told me I have to go back to Halane uh, mm -hmm. uh, military training. You're teaching like these seventh graders who happen to be the kids of these political figures, yep. um, like Siad Baris kids and Omar Abdul Rashid or, or yeah. Abdul um, whatever. Ah, uh, uh, Omar Abdul Rashid Ali Shabarka, yep. That's the kid, right? Who yep. ended up being the prime yep. minister. 
and Abdigod, the person that he has messaged him last year, like, I was your teacher. And he yeah, goes, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but anyways, um, so that so you were teaching them and then you got in a fight with this guy minister of education mm. at that time mm. and he basically said you need to go back to Halanet to yeah. do your military training camp. yeah so i didn't know what did they you didn't want to go back to uh, i didn't i didn't go back to Halanet. well okay so not for nothing i found a picture of abba last year in Halanet yeah. with his friends and then you know what you wrote on the back yeah you were complaining that you had to follow the dictation of the crooked soldiers. This is a direct quote. Yeah. And you were like, um, and so I guess all of it is in the name of discipline or whatever they call it. So it was a very tongue-in-cheek type of, you were basically like, I have to do this because they said so, but they're not doing it. Um, they're not doing it like, you know, in an honest way. Mm-hmm. And this is bullshit, but you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, why was Helena so hard for you? Uh, you, because with uh, number one, uh, we, 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 it is uh, what they call, uh, even if you watch in American uh, military, uh, drill surgeons. Uh, uh, drill surgeons, they're cool. They're really, really cruel. They, you know, they, they physically, mentally uh, indoctrination. Uh, the, the reason they send people to Halana to indoctrinate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so what kind them, of things did they tell you? Like how you have to kind of fall in line with the government not military. only that they, they, even the, the no the, the people the, who are uh, there training you yeah they 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 illiterate they kind of some of them don't even read and write mm-hmm. so all they know how to do military drilling yeah and what you what they lecturing is something they don't know nothing about yeah so you weren't able to finish your year of national service and if you did finish your year of national service then you would go on to get a job in the government or go to university you're right but this guy got in a fight with you and he said go back to halane and mm-hmm. then after you finish your year at halane if i went back to halane mm-hmm. uh, when i come back from halane yeah then I was eligible to go to university mm-hmm. or get a governmental job Yeah, at that time. Mm-hmm. But I refused to go back to. Um, do you want to tell everybody how you actually got out of Somalia? It's a funny yes. story. While I was just hanging around mm-hmm. and not wanting to go to Halane, Mm-hmm. And uh, because uh, the, all the people that I went to Halana with, uh, they were either sent to universities mm-hmm. or uh, governmental jobs. Mm-hmm. So I and you know Ismail, the big guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, so we were. Ju- so n- you n- guys were the two people who were kicked out. Uh, yes. Luckily, 1976, uh, the, the Syed regime, uh, because uh, we have a drought in a famine in Africa. Yeah. Uh, the Dabadair, something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm, so uh, also, uh, many many governmental, high governmental officials, uh, he wanna uh, replace with his people tribe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he, many, many people, he, he, he just kicked them out of their jobs. Oh, was that uh, like the first round that they stopped? People were kicked out of their yeah, positions? Yes, so that the same time, at the, yeah. the same time. So the, the, those people, uh, we happened when they, they were the directors. They were directors or, or DJs, ambassadors, you name it, you mm-hmm. name it, you name it. So I and Ismail happened to be uh, the same. So luckily, Siad Bernard say all these people who were uh, give them passports, he decided to let the Isaac people get out. So luckily, I went to immigration and this guy asked me, what, where, he said, what do you know? 
Yeah. I told him I'm an electrician. Mm-hmm. He said, do you have a certificate? I said, yeah. You know, I his older brother, Mohammed. Yeah. He came from over north, so he was running a garage. A garage. So he had a, he was showing off that he gave his apprentice, you know, certificate. So he gave me one of these. I filled that. I, I took it and he gave me the passport. I got the passport. So Abdul Nasir told me, because Musa, you know, his younger brother, mm-hmm. he had the same problem too. Halana, look he wrote. He was working at Hargeisa Far Omar that time. So I went to Hargeisa. He took you to Berbera, he put you on the boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And made sure he took you to the boat so that you would leave the country and he could see that you were gone. Yes, you were gone. That's all. And then he took it. The, the friendship the reason I took to Berbera is uh, so we you airline ticket but the ticket came expensive mm-hmm. if you go uh, to Berbera mm-hmm. and buy the ticket mm-hmm. that uh, Markabka yeah. uh, ship yeah. is cheaper yeah why do I go to the Arabba? The Tigger Kiban Sogos Day. Then I came to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Guru It took us to his house. While I was working like this, I saw one of my somebody I went to Ahmed Intermediate who knew Abdul's oldest brother, Ahmed. Yeah. Ahmed Musa. Yeah. We just read to him. Then my friend Ahmed Hussein came. To Saudi Arabia? Saudi Arabia. Always he used to write me more. When I was so there, I through other channels, this, this. Anyhow, I the man Shagahale. 1988. Last time when I was in Saudi Arabia, I was working for a, a company called Saudi Telephone. But that the Saudi Telephone was run by uh, Bell Canada. Oh, okay. uh, Bell Canada had the biggest contract. Mm-hmm. So I was working with uh, six uh, Canadians. Yeah. 
So one of them, uh, as I, I told them how I came up from a humble background. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't have no family helping me and this and that. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, you know, how uh, I, uh, we heard America is expensive. Yeah. How are you going to manage? Yeah. So I told him from where I started. Yeah. It never be worse. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So I was proven, you know, my first year is in America was not easy. I worked, you know, 7-Eleven gas station, uh, working as a bellman. I did all kinds of menial jobs. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was having a good time, Marty. I had a good life. Even when I was making $3 an hour, not many people were making $3 an hour in, in Africa at that oh, time. Yeah. You know, even in Saudi Arabia, you know. Uh, what do we have to complain? Our 40th anniversary in America. And if it wasn't for Corona, you would have been back in Somaliland. Mm. So how was it like, it? how was it adjusting back to Somaliland or getting used to being back home? Somaliland, I can go and visit, you know, like I did stay two months, three months, uh, but they, I'd rather be here. Yeah. After you left Somalia in 1976, you went back four times. Mm. When I first went back in 84, yeah. I stayed for a while. Then the uh, second time, I didn't like I didn't stay that long. Oh, 2003. 2003 yeah. uh, the country like was it. completely devastated. Uh, yeah, I said, really. Uh, but 2016 was good. Yeah. Uh, it was really nice. This time I stayed longer. Yeah. Uh, you know, went to my places because went to of the, uh, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. So you're gonna become a kind of a little odd. Uh, oh yeah, because uh, Abu doesn't drive when he's there. He takes the bus. Yeah, and he right. Walks around. Yeah. And then you know yeah. he you just kind of yeah like, assimilate like a regular. Uh, no, this year I was alright because I found the people I get along with. Mm -hmm. And I just go take the bus to Masalaha and just hang around with them. Yeah, you got more of a routine this time. Yeah, yeah, because mm. I think that it's it's a, it's an adjustment yeah, like, right. to go to come back because also the way of life. I think the thing that people don't realize is the difference, right? The way of life here is completely different than the way of life there. Oh yeah. So you can't immediately change or adjust. One thing in Anega Marte, Marte. In my case, you know, always, always I had a contact with my close friends. Mm -hmm. You know, all these years, and it doesn't matter how many years I was away. Yeah. I always call Ali Chornal. Yeah. Our family members. Yeah. Uh, you know, even Hassan Dere. Uh, you know, in, in my case, uh, I was not uh, strange to Marty. Mm. my grandson to 10 years. Yeah. You know, I always had a contact. It's still doing, you know. So in learning a little bit more about his story, you can see why he had us visit people and not places or things. Um, because people were his lifeline and ultimately his greater family. And I also wanted to kind of point out that the song in the beginning and the song at the end um, is the same song. And in it, the parts that I captured for the intro and the outro are saying, 
that camels you know they graze different lands get food ultimately and then at the end they're like some places could be really bad for you some places are beautiful and gorgeous but the idea is that you keep going and you keep striving um to get what you need right and i think my dad's story was also is also very reflective of that ultimately my dad is a person who loves american idioms like the somali mahmas he i think he only uses that when he's talking to somalis but he loves american sayings and so if anyone like all my cousins know like that he's always using like the americans say the sky's the limit so this episode is called sky's the limit you can add a little biggie voice in there if you want hopefully you all strive for only the sky is the limit Kukala nakrono melwan